Have you ever read a book and thought to yourself, I could explain this to someone else, but maybe there's a few things that I want explained back to me. I'll be sitting down with authors, thought leaders, visionaries. I'm your host, Josh Lipstone. This is Explain This Book to Me. Welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is Josh Lipstone, and today is the first episode in our limited series called Explain This Book to Me. Today, I am joined by my favorite Jason. He's your favorite Jason, and his name is Jason Cass. Welcome to the podcast, Jason. How does it feel to be a guest on your own podcast network? I uh, I love it. Um, this is interesting. Thank you very much, Josh. You know um, that we have a friendship that probably few don't know. Um, so I don't know if I would don't know how good this would be with other people. So I appreciate you reaching out with this idea. Um, I'm looking forward to it. It's the middle of summer. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, we're getting outside, getting a little bit of sun on our skin, and uh, I'm excited. So uh, I'm excited to see what you have planned. Yeah, yeah. Um, so just like you like to do asking a few, uh, I guess called get to know you questions. I have a few of my own. So tell me, Jason, does the toilet paper go over or under when you put it in the toilet paper roll? I'm not a person that that matters. So I don't know. Um, I really don't. I'm thinking it comes over the top. I really truly am, but I, I'm going to tell you, I'm guessing. I'm guessing. Okay. I, I I think I know the the next answer to this, but Mac or PC? Oh, definitely PC. Definitely All PC. Right. Only because I'm dumb and I don't know how to use a Mac. <laughs> Straight up. Truth. I wanted to see if you were consistent with the uh, you know iPhone versus Droid. Um, and then finally, finally, do you think that you are a product of nature or nurture? Whoa. Fantastic question, Josh. I have said for a long time that I feel as if I'm a product of my environment. So I guess I would say of, what would that be, nature? Uh, Nurture. Nurture. The the thing is, is that, gosh dang, I'm a lot like my mom. Mm-hmm. I really, truly am. I'm a lot like my mom. If you want to know what my mom's like, it's me. She's even more boisterous and more of a loud mouth. Um, I got smarter as I got older. She just keeps going. God love her. And I have that conversation. That's an inside joke. But anyways, yeah, um, I, yeah I'm going to say I'm more. Yeah, I say, well, dude, great question. I mean, where did that one come up from? That was a good one. Do you think long and hard? Or you've been always wanting to ask that question. No, no. I was just thinking last night in preparation for this because um, I, I love your questions. The uh, do you love to win or hate to lose? Mm-hmm. Um, and I was just thinking, you know, what what are some of the things that kind of get down to the core of what a person is, how they think? Um, what Good motivates point. them. And a few of the questions I came up with were too similar to what you had asked before, mm-hmm. or, you know, they were along the lines of, you know, not, not too serious. I mean, the toilet paper one was, um, you know, a highly, right. highly right. debated one, you know, it sure <laughs> That's is. Just, it sure it, is. it's just something you throw up on Facebook, but, you know, to, to get to know someone, um, cause I've always thought, you know, 
have I been blessed with the the fact that I was born into the family that I am today? And had I been born in another country, another family, um, would would I be different than than you know how I am today? So absolutely. yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Point in that. My mom was mean as shit. I've talked about that before on my podcast. Um, mm-hmm. and she, you know, she didn't abuse us or anything. I would say more ver- verbally. She's very, very loud. And she, um, but man, I owe so much to that woman. I tell you what, I have a, I have a work ethic. I believe that comes from her. Um, you know, my dad left us when we were little, and my stepdad left us when we were when I was uh, probably let's see ten or eleven. And I remember mm-hmm. my mom in Washington State, She, when she found out about this and cried for a week, she came out of her bedroom and she said to me and my sister, she said, never again will we ever rely on somebody else for our happiness and our livelihood. It will never mm-hmm. happen. And she sat both of my sisters down. I remember sitting on the couch and, you know, we're all sitting there big eyed looking at mom like, damn, oh, yeah. like, damn, she's serious. Yeah. You know, but we didn't. When we moved from Washington to um, mm-hmm. Illinois, we drove down to actually Arizona, Phoenix, Arizona, and then up to Illinois. My mom would not allow anybody to help us. We packed the U-Haul ourselves. <clears throat> Wow. We drove the U-Haul because she couldn't drive the U-Haul. She sold the car in Washington and bought another one when we got to Illinois because she refused wow. to have anybody help us anymore. And whether that's good or bad, I don't know. I think I asked for a lot of help in life, but I also realized that if I want to do something, my do it, I got to do it myself. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I think sometimes too often people will go to, to the extremes and in order for someone to grow, you have to have some sort of balance. So yes, mm-hmm. you definitely need to be able to rely on yourself, but you also need to learn when is the time to ask for help and be able to accept the help. A rich man does not build his own house. 100%. Everybody needs help. Yep. So let's kind of dive in. Um, before we get into... What are we gonna talk about? Going to talk about? Yeah, so we're going to be talking about, yeah, so what we're going to be talking about is the book, the book that you wrote back in 2015, the the Amazon bestseller. Thank you. you Customer service is just foreplay. The modern customer experience will separate you from your competition. Do you like that title? I actually do. Um, I think it says exactly what I'm trying to say. It's mm-hmm. also in a way bad because it's so provocative that they stop at the first part and they're not understanding that it's all about separation. Which probably will also get into why you uh, last year talked about the great separator. We'll Ooh. have to talk about that later. That's a thing of later my heart. Yeah. And we got to do that at the end because it makes a, a yes. lot more sense. You're right about yes. that. Mm-hmm. Now, since it's been five years, in the last five years, what has writing this book meant to you both personally and professionally? Um, you know what? Great question. And this is a lot of stuff I think about. I, if any of my listeners, you, my loyal listeners, I forget I'm talking to my loyal listeners. I'm not on somebody else's yes. podcast. <laughs> uh, uh, I think a lot. I probably think more than the average person, but not like about worry. Right. I, I was always fascinated at the beginning um, where I saw a sign one time when I was young and it said um, uh, small minds talk about people. 
average minds talk about things and great minds talk about ideas. I always try to make sure that I'm in a conversation where we're talking about ideas. Now, I need the people. I need the things. I get that. And whenever I want to be in that position of where I'm creating ideas, I want to build authority. So I'm the kind of person that thinks that of all the people with their ideas, I'm thinking my own and I think mine are just as good as theirs, right? So Mm -hmm. going back to the book, I feel as a way for me to build authority, to build um, in this group I'm in of insurance agents. I want them to know when you're thinking about running your agency and, and trying to compete in this world here's my ideas for the, for the way that it is. And this is my thoughts. And I had a podcast because it it was a baby Mm -hmm. at the time, but then I catapulted and this is actually a true story that we'll get into later of why I created the book. And then from there forward though, to answer your question, I feel as if it has built me and built my authority. I will say this, and I've said this many times, my loyal listeners know there has been nothing more influential in my life. Yes. Getting married. Yes. Having my kids. I'm talking influential, ego, personal, life-changing mm-hmm. um, than my podcast. That was the number one thing. And I also believe without it, I may not have been pushed to write the book. Gotcha. That makes sense. Well, you mentioned why. Do you want to go ahead and talk about why you wrote this book? Yeah, yeah it's very, very right. simple. It's a two-part thing. Um, I love this too. Um, at, at the, the, the reason for the podcast is a better story. But the, the, the book is really, really good because it's a real-life example. Long story short, I'm doing a quote for a lady. I'm in a basement of my home. It's 2014, 2013 maybe. Basement of my home. Talking with the lady. The lady tells me that she wants to get insurance from me. I find out that she's been with Geico for four years. The last year, she had been with an agent in my town. I do all the quoting. I noticed she was asking a lot of questions like when I'm open, do I have a mobile app? And that might be things that even we don't even get our clients to ask today, but maybe they do. Right. But back in 2013, 2014, I was like, why is this lady asking this? You know, Even though I did have insurance agent mobile app, I did have them. I was like, why is this lady asking this? And and so I was like, um, so if anyways, when I'm going back and I propose, uh, and I'm proposing to her, it sounds funny, the insurance. Um, mm-hmm. I asked her, I said, Hey, I noticed you've been with Geico for four years and you've been with this agency in town only for a year and now you're shopping again. And she goes on this long tirade about the fact that she works the three to 11 shift. And when she comes home and gets up and she calls them and gets a message, they call her back when she's already at work and she can't service uh, herself. I mean, yeah, it was just frustrating as can be. But then she says, You know what I've noticed? I was with Geico, but I've noticed that a lot of you local agents, I can't even remember. She might've said independent, but I don't think she did. Mm -hmm. She said, you local agents don't provide the same amount of value that Geico does. Mm. And I literally, I mean, I can remember it today. I was like, what? And, 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 And that got my brain thinking something very simple, that the values that I put, on the importance of my profession and what I can do for other people are not Mm -hmm. the same values that they're expecting out of me. People call my agency because they have a problem and they need a solution. Obviously, the way that my solutions are handled are Mm -hmm. not exactly the way that everybody else wants their solutions handled. And that's when it made me realize that I was casting my value system upon somebody else rather than understanding what their value system is. I say it when I talk about this a lot. My buddy Travis says all the time, Jason, don't Mm -hmm. sell life insurance with your wallet. 
we don't know their financial situation. They could have a million dollars. You don't know. Just, you know, ask the questions, be open, give your yep. solutions. So anyways, that was the motivating driver for it. But it was in that, but there is a podcast I did in 2014, or I believe is 2014, with Chuck Blondino. And okay. after Chuck Blondino had done this survey, it's really a very awesome podcast. After he had done this survey, I realized that the top things that showed the agents that were growing the most were the things other than insurance things. It was mobile apps. Was it having an online, it was having a marketing person, having an online Mm -hmm. presence, having a digital ecosystem, you know, being able to make your own payments on time. These were things that were important to them. And I saw, wow, okay, I'm experiencing it. I'm reading it here. I'm the kind of person that thinks about ideas and executes. And so that's where the book came from. Very cool. Mm-hmm. That's actually one of the stories we were going to talk about a little later. Mm-hmm. So that's, thank you for stealing my thunder. That's okay. On that's that okay. One. We got that's all right. That's all right. Yeah. Um, so let's go ahead and jump into the book. And oh, yeah. instead of jumping straight into chapter one, I actually want to start with the foreword, which sometimes people overlook. It's It's not very long, but there were a few key things that I had pulled out of there that I wanted to go over. So Looking at the forward, you were one of the few, but now you are one of many who are championing not just for the modern customer experience, but also how to revolutionize the insurance industry. And I use the word revolutionize for a very specific reason. And I actually looked this up um, to make sure I had the correct definition. But what the word revolutionize means is to change fundamentally or completely which ties into directly um, into something that we'll talk about later that the loyal listeners will need to wait for. But it is very similar to how you talk about agent and how the word agent is a person or a thing that takes an active role or produces a specified effect or specific effect. Um, Now, I wholeheartedly agree that um, agent is the right word for you to use, but I also think revolutionize because by you taking on and starting the Grow Program, by you starting the podcast, writing the book, I believe that you have actually revolutionized the insurance industry because without you, so many people who are the champions of what you are championing, the modern customer experience, either they would not be here or their fight would be a much harder battle. Um, You've always talked about uh, when something comes out and you say, you know what, let us be the first ones to go through. Let us bloody ourselves. Let us go through there. So what do you think about that? The word revolutionize and what do you think that that is too bold of a word to, to describe this? Or do you think that it kind of works in tangent or works together with the word agent? Mm, It really does. And I never really thought of it because if it's a chemical reaction for change or progress Mm -hmm. or something is what agent is. And then you're talking about revolution. I had never heard the definition and loyal listeners, you know that I'm I'm fascinated with these definitions. I'd never heard what you said. It was a a change that you said something doesn't go back or something. To change fundamentally or completely. Yes, yes, yes. I had never realized that. And if you think of a chemical change, usually you're going Mm -hmm. from one type of something to another, like chemically changing exactly. it. Good, good point there. Good point. Never really thought of it that way. Um, yes. Um, okay. 
if you put it into that regards, um, I can be very humble because I'm very fortunate for what I have, but I can also have a big ego. Um, yeah. I, uh, I, I think, um, that, that means a lot. Uh, if I was driving around on my boat and saying that I didn't actually think about the impact that I've had on the industry, I'd be lying. Um, mm -hmm. because that's my mission, right? It's, yeah. it's kind of like if I'm LeBron and my goal is to shoot 40% from the three point range, that's what I'm aiming to do. And all of a sudden when I do it, I look at it and go, shit, Val, I really, yeah. I've been practicing that and it happened. Right. So it's the same thing here. I do think about that. I also know that I, because of this revolution or this agent for change, I, I believe that it puts a lot of stress, um, upon me and I have more gray hair than I probably would have if I didn't, but those stresses and those gray hairs are worth the bank accounts and the families that are being built by the things that we are doing. That is what it's worth. I can't, I'm, I'll have a whole bed of hair and look like mm -hmm. Steve Martin if it means that more people <laughs> can find out about how great this industry is. You're a loyal listener, Josh, and you loyal listeners yeah. know I feel fortunate. I never thought I would have the life that I have. Um, am I worth millions? No, hell no. I'm that, no, not and that. Doesn't, no. That's not important to me. You know, I remember at one point in time, my goal was to try and pay a million dollars in taxes, and everybody looks at me like I'm crazy. And I think, man, if I paid a million dollars in taxes, you know how much money I made. So people don't think about things the other way; they think of the negative and not the positive. So yeah, yeah so. So that means good. I mean, that's good. The the word I like to use recently is transformation. Uh, okay, and you know. Because the, the wise people have told me that, Jason, if you keep changing, you're always going to stay behind. It's transformation that you seek, son. And I think about huh. that. I think about that because, hmm, that's interesting. What do you think about that in the revolution? I mean, what do you think? I mean, I'm uh, I'm trying to think about that. And I guess so. I definitely think it's – I will add on to that one thing. Yeah. People say to me. Jason, wow, you were the first podcast. Now there's so many. I hope there's people that used to listen to me that don't listen to me now and listen to other people. I mean that with all my heart. That's the whole reason why I did this. It was to have mm -hmm. a platform, but I didn't know I was going to do a book. I didn't know that I was going to do all these things that I did. At the point in time, I just wanted to let agents know. like th There was things going on there, and I had the authority because I was an agency owner. Right. Right. And so, but my main thing was at the beginning is the, 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 um, veterans would tell me that how dare I try to give this information out because I don't necessarily know. And I said to them, how dare you try to keep me from getting this information out? Cause you just don't know. <laughs> anyway. Yes. Sorry. Yeah. I mean, good question. Uh, good question. Yeah. I mean, to, to me, the revolutionizing, I mean, you have, like you always say, you've given a voice to the people who have no voice. And so whether you wanted to take on this mantle or not, you you have and you responded. And so I even wrote um, a blog about this, um, I think in either 2016 or 2017. I think it was 2016 um, on my website, basically thanking the people who have helped mold my career. And you were definitely one of the first, if not the first. So thank you, Appreciate so that thank you for that. You um, one more thing that I want to talk about um, before we get into the actual first chapter is I was thinking back to some of the companies that you were working with that 
back in 2014, and now some of the companies that we're working with now in 2020, and in this you know five six year period, the companies didn't even exist back then. So the ones that really stood out to me that weren't around and maybe they were potentially in their infancy were Advisor Evolved, Agency VA, Neon, and Podium, which are all part of what I call the AI family of companies. And these companies are helping to also spur on that revolution. And so we'll talk a little bit more about these companies. But to, I'm excited. Me, I'm excited. I got a couple stories yeah. for that. That's great, man. This is well, going to be good. good. I mean, we already been t- this is going to be good, dude. I'm loyal listeners. I know. Four or five podcasts. We put, hell, we might do 10. You may be permanent on here, Josh. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. So, I mean, it, to, to me, what the, the great thing is, is that in a short amount of time, you think five years, oh my gosh, it's, you know, that's either a really long time or a really short amount of time, however you look. But the fact that we're five years later and we have companies that didn't exist back when you were writing this book that are helping us today just gets me really excited. It does. It does. No, it does. I didn't know you were going to go here. That's good. Yeah. Um, All right. So let's go jump into chapter one. So chapter one is seeing what the travel agent never saw. And so you start off this chapter by talking about the story about Cirque du Soleil Mm. and how Ringling Brothers didn't see the change in how the audience viewed the circus. You talk about how a young child in the 1950s, they're at their very first circus, they're amazed. And then their father, their mother, you know, kind of reaches down to them, bends down and says, 40 years from now, the circus will be nothing like this. There will be no animals. There will only be people, music, and acrobats. This new circus will be the most popular and expensive one on the planet. And the act you just saw today will struggle to survive. Can you imagine? Now, what's very interesting about this story as it relates to Ringling Brothers is that they actually closed tomorrow will be the three-year anniversary. It was May 21st, 2017. So what did you view in 2015 as the Ringling Brothers, and what do you view in 2020 as the Ringling Brothers? Wow. Dude. Um, loyal listeners, he's hitting me with unprepared questions, so this I is know. good. I love this. Um, okay, yeah, this is great. This is great. This is great. Yeah, um, that was... Uh, wasn't that example so good though to put in the book? Oh, it I mean, is. Doesn't, doesn't it just line up? And and if you've listened to me live, I, I still use that to this day because it really, yes. really hits home. Um, yeah. Okay. So specifically companies, that's very, very tough. And I mean, I got to get my brain going here on that. But or, or but, but, not, not maybe not necessarily companies. What in 2015, I guess, as it relates to our industry, hmm. is is like the Ringling Brothers? And then even today, what are some of the the things in 2020 that are, you know, potentially going to experience a death in the next five years because they're not willing to innovate, transform, and get on the the modern customer experience. Wow, this is so tough. This is so tough. Um, it was easy when I was standing in 18... 18- 30 when they're standing in St. Louis where the arch is now and they're looking west, it was so easy to predict. Now, they didn't have a clue what was there, 
But mm-hmm. it was easy to see that eventually people are behind us. They're eventually mm-hmm. going to be in front of us where they are, right? So yep. they were looking at, and today we're looking at that. We're looking at our digital land, getting on our horse, mm-hmm. right? And and, right. and and trying to go west. I answer that because I want to set that up into the fact that it was a lot easier in 2015 to be able to predict this because it was very obvious what people were not doing. Okay. Right. Um, uh, one of the differences I will just uh, will say is I believe Facebook ads. I believe that Facebook ads are in the insurance industry are severely flawed. I think we're yes. still trying to do bad, crazy stuff. We have evolved in Facebook, ads, mm-hmm. right? We have evolved. It's got yes. very, very scientific, but I think there's a big line of baloney that's being sold to agents out there is that you can still produce business this way. Do I believe that there's agents right now producing business off Facebook ads? Yes. Is mm-hmm. it probably the type of business that the majority of agents want to come in their front door? No. So that's yes, there. There's, there's my point of that. Um, I will also say that people who fail to believe that VAs are not something are um, are in trouble. I believe mm-hmm. I believe also that um, people like Wave uh, work at home vintage employees. Um, while I feel as if sometimes they may not be the best fit because of maybe economic conditions, I believe that yep. you're going to see more of those. So I see anything that you're going to see as work at home. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I had another one and it's coming back to me. Um, and, 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 and people like, more people and more companies are going to fail because of their own egos and their own problems rather than the, uh, exterior forces that would make a normal big business collapse. So it's like the blockbuster and the Kodak. Correct. Very, very good point. Yes, exactly that. Exactly that. They don't see it and they don't want to see it. But also Mm -hmm. this, there's also businesses that are leading the way and they're also trying to not do it correctly. They're trying to um, use bots. They're using screen Mm -hmm. scraping. They're using a lot of different things, which I will tell you a lot of people are against. I'm going to open up to the national scene here very soon that I'm going to challenge that thought and say that if you're a carrier or you're a company Mm -hmm. or you're a vendor and you're not allowing us to have access to our data in the way we want, but yet at the same time, you sell us on the fact that if we give a user ID and password to somebody to be able to go in there and grab that information for us, that's now black hat techniques. No, huh. I think I think that's protecting you being able to keep my data and you just don't like that. I believe that's something that's been sold to society that is being sold today that is wrong. And you know who doesn't believe it? If you're 30 years and under, because I'm talking yeah. to a lot of web developers and a lot of people who are creating awesome programs. And a lot of yeah. the things they're doing is they're having to do that screen scraping. And you know what this one kid said to me, he was 23. And he said okay. to me, and, and Ryan, if you're listening, it's not Ryan Hanley, but Ryan, if you're listening, you know, I'm talking to, he said, Jason, when your customer wants a customer experience and they're demanding it and the carrier or your vendor will not allow it. Are you going to sit there and just put up with that? 
No, there's nothing I can do. He said, yes, there is. Get a user ID and password locked down in a contract that I can't control the data. I can't even see the data. I have bots that can autonomize that data. We don't pull social security numbers. We don't pull anything private, but we can get that information out of there and populate it and allow you to use it. That creates that customer experience for your client. So that got me thinking, and I'm thinking to myself, now, when I see a lot of these, there's another mobile app that's mm -hmm. new to the scene. I'm not going to use my presence or this platform to talk about it. But the things they're doing, some people would say were black hat techniques. I say they're doing everything they can to create a customer experience on the backside for it. Companies that understand that the customer experience is vital is important mm -hmm. because I don't want to go too far. But one of the things that relates to where you're talking about is what we talk about in, and I'm not going there, but in the great separator. And what's okay. a, and and why I say this is, is is people who companies out there listen, Louis, listen, this is important. Customers out there who keep trying to classify data into categories are going to have problems. Data is not classified in a category anymore. This may not make sense to you right now, and why I'm saying this. But this has to do with the fundamental shift of a different type of business in the way that they feel. A lot of businesses out there feel as if they are going to be able to make a reputation because they are friends and advocates of the insurance industry. That used to work five years ago. That doesn't work today. You're mm -hmm. telling me that you've been an advocate for the independent insurance industry and your product is still the same and the companies are still doing the same things. But yet these new kids are coming in here and boom, they're changing the game. So when you're out there and you're thinking in front of them, you're doing a demo and you're thinking, is this company going to be here in the future? How are they associating data? Okay. Um, what are their okay. excuses? What are their excuses? Let me give you an example. Neon. Neon mm -hmm. is the future. Neon will not fail. But everybody said two years ago that it can't work. Now that it works and it's live, you know what they say? Oh, it's too expensive. Nope. Applied and Vertifor are all more expensive. Hawksoft's probably right in the same in the same price yep. point. So this is what I'm saying. Listen to how these people are talking. They're not wanting to see the future. They're not wanting to see that, you know? Um, and, and, and so, so, so that's a, that, that's a, that's a, that's a big deal. I don't know if it exactly answers your questions, but it's very, very difficult to say because the world is now splintered. Let me, let me give you one example, one, one okay. other example inside my brain. So you guys okay. understand this. In 1981, it was easy for everybody to see your commercial or your ad because you only had to put it on three stations. So it was right. easy to kind of predict where your audience was or where they were going. Today, you can't do that. There's 180,000 channels. And so you're like, well, man, I really got to know my audience, right? That's today. Those businesses that keep trying to think it's 1980 and trying to spread it everywhere because they think there's only three channels and everybody will understand it is not the type of company you want. The type of company you want is going to be a vendor you want, the partner you want, is understands who you are and where you're going. How do they do that? They know your audience. It all comes back to audience. Even when you have a podcast, you got to know your audience. You got to know yeah. your audience when it comes to um, to your audience, meaning your clientele and your book. So the reason I say that is, is that's the way it's in my mind. It was easy to predict that there was going to be more channels in 1981. It's very, very uh -huh. to predict to, to what those new channels are going to be. Um, because to be honest with you, most of the channels that that get created uh -huh. today, people still don't watch them. 
They still yeah. watch ESPN. They still watch CNN. They still watch ABC, Wheel of Fortune, and then they watch Netflix and Prime Video. Yep, exactly. So, so that's just my that's just that's yeah. just my thing. The best way that I can say it. Data yeah. is the future. I'll tell you that. Any company yeah. that deals in data is the future. Well, very good. Um, well, yeah, I don't next know in the, yeah. Uh, well, next in the book, you go over four major challenges. Um, so the first challenge that you talk about, um, which you actually just kind of uh, spoke about, is new competition with better tools. Now, back in 2015, we were very worried about Amazon, Google, and Walmart offering these insurance solutions. Mm -hmm. Another company that we were uh, afraid of, or I, I don't know if afraid is the correct word, but another company like them was Zenefits. If you remember Zenefits, they raised <laughs> yeah. 100 million in wow. BC money, yeah. then they had this huge scandal. Um, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the, uh, you know, what Amazon, Google, and Walmart did, those basically all failed. Now, Zenefits is still around. I don't think that they are as large or as the, you know, the, the, the supposed juggernaut that they were supposed to be. But each year, each day, more and more companies are entering our space. And so, you know, you even have to look at companies, um, a good friend, um, I would say a good friend of the podcast, um, Nick Ayers. I mean, he is huge into YouTube ads. Everyone mm -hmm. is, you know, so many people just consume their content through, through YouTube, especially the younger generation, your uh, your Gen is it Gen Z now? I think it is Gen, Gen Z. Z? Yeah. yeah, it is yeah. Gen Z. I mean, and you see all these companies advertising. You have companies, um, I won't name them, but you have you know multiple companies that are advertising and getting in front of your audience each and every single day when you are still trying to advertise on the three big networks rather than doing that. Mm -hmm. um, so you know, as far as um, you know, these companies that are coming out, what are some of the companies that you're looking at now as your competition that has the better tools that we should be either trying to mimic and offer as part of our modern customer experience or ones that we just need to be afraid of? Are there any competitors out there that you look at as saying, hey, they're offering something better and this is something that we need to start implementing as independent agents. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So once again, this might be a little bit biased because I believe you're going to kind of feel this, Josh, that uh, mm -hmm. as we talk about this, um, it's only obvious that the great separator, which is following this, was created and known through Neon, right? And so mm -hmm. I knew about it, but I didn't know what it looked like. Seth had created it, but he didn't realize anybody else knew about it. And then we got together and it was amazing. So I kind of go that way and I don't mean to fail to that. Okay. We, um, we are going to, when we're talking about better tools, this is awesome. Okay. Mm -hmm. the, the way that we collect information has to change. We're going to say it five times over these podcasts. We're going to say it a lot of times. The, pro the person has a problem. They're calling me for a solution. It's that simple, folks. Like my boy Billy Williams says, keep it simple, Cass. And, <laughs> and, and, and it's the way that it is. So when a customer calls in with a problem, they have to give us way too much information. Yes. They have to give us way too much information. We have been saying this. I would have said this in the book if I would have probably wrote it. It might be in there. I can't remember. But it, it, it would have been 
this is a problem then, this is a problem now. It will not be a problem in five years because there's already, once again, companies coming out there who are giving mm -hmm. access to say, Jason, um, in, in my state, in my town of, of Edwardsville, I can't do this in Centralia, it's more of a, in a, a, a rural area, but in my mm -hmm. town is Edwardsville, we pretty much don't have to ask all the questions anymore. There's there's some companies out there that give us the data, but then uh, now we have this new company that I, when my customer calls in, I can send them a link and they click on the link, they enter their user ID and password for whatever service they're using, State Farm, whoever, and it immediately just emails me all their documents, like emails me their all their ID cards, their billing statements, everything. And I mean, we get we get their authorization. This is what this is going to be when they click the link. It lets them know, hey, you're signing in, you know, mm -hmm. but that information is coming directly to me and we're only using it for quoting purposes. That's amazing. That's amazing. Now. I will tell you where that has become a challenge with me and my staff is we believe that if we're on the phone for 15 or 20 more minutes with a personal lines policy when we're collecting information, a personal lines client, we're going to close that baby, right? So where's yep. where's that fine balance, right? Besides, I mean, a lot of times, Josh, you write Erie, you write preferred business, you know what I'm talking yep. about. A lot of times they say, wow, I like the fact that you asked me this many questions and yep. I didn't know. Okay. So that doesn't mean that we continue to answer the question. Doesn't it sound more professional if we have the information and we're doing nothing but checking through it with our client? So oh, yeah, we, we notice that you have this. We notice that you have this and this and this. And let's talk specifically about those four vehicles, right? And then we can get into cut questions. But when we're having to ask VIN numbers, we're actually speeding through the process and we're not getting as much information as we could other than if it's there, you just confirm the last four and say, yep, that's the vehicle and you move on. So yep. I believe that simplicity is the key. I believe that, um, how do we get simple? We have to get simple with AI. AI will never replace an agent, but agents who use AI will replace those who don't, said by the one and only Jeff Roy. Give yeah. credit where it's due because you're not very smart and so are they. So <laughs> The great so Canadian. Yeah, the great Canadian. Now, he, now, what he means by that, though, is a lot of different things. For instance, customer calls in and I'm collecting information, Okay. First of all, a lot of that information will be found. And as soon as the person calls in and we recognize them by voice, keep that in mind, that is coming, um, or we recognize them by old-fashioned caller ID, one of these days we're going to say, yeah, the only way we knew who, was, who it was is when we look over at the phone and there'd be some, some we'd just look at it and say their name. We'd be like, oh, look, it's Tammy. No, I mean, or before now, we're not going to know that. They're just going to answer and immediately the screen's going to pop open right to Tammy's information, all of her policies on the left side. And on the right side, you're going to see a big blank white screen. And as Tammy starts to talk, it's going to start transcribing what she's saying. And when you answer, it's going to start transcribing back. And when she answers, it's going to transcribe and it's going to start rolling in a newsfeed on your left side. And as it starts rolling, what's happening is, is AI is going in there and is analyzing those keywords. It's looking for things like car, auto, home, quote, motorcycle, boat. Mm. It's looking for those different things. Imagine not having to sit there and write down all the information. Tammy, could you please give me that VIN number? And boom, 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 it's already done. Now, we can do that today with recorded phone calls, right? We could just ask right. all the questions and then send them off to our, our, our CSR. And we've done that before. But what if you're just asking the questions and it's writing it all down and it's tracking? And here's the main thing. It's asking this stuff real time, right? So like it's asking it real time. It's going to be able to pull out. There are companies that are working at collecting MVR information 
on uh-huh. the side and making the MVR half the cost that it was. The problem with it uh-huh. is, is it's owned by the state and the state's kind yeah. of trying to protect that. But what I'm saying yeah. is I think you're going to see that um, I'm going to make a bold prediction here. In three to five years, you will not have to run MVRs because the data will be out there outside of the MVR. Huh. This is a huge, huge cost-saving measure to the companies. They yeah, have a definitely. huge, huge, huge um, – um, they have a huge game in this, okay, money yeah. in this. And all together, they come together and they say, hey, let's create this. That information is out there other than just being reported to an MVR, Right. And, and, and right. I mean, so, so there's other ways and you can pass regulation that says, Hey, still report it to the MVR, but you check this box here for this code and that populates mm-hmm. on another form. Right. So I think that there can be, there could be real life stuff that could happen there. Now think as that thing, as you're asking about that quote, whether it's commercial or whatever, I really like it for commercial lines, but you can yeah. do it for personal lines. Let's say that person's now over there on the right side where their policies are at the top and you can see all their information on the right side, um, bottom corner of the right side screen is going to be the companies that you can quote with. And as you're asking the questions, it's eliminating the question, the companies, but also at the same time, quoting the companies that still falling within those guidelines as it's asking the questions. So as I'm asking the question, someone will know you ask this first and you ask this and this, and that's being put into the Raider as you're asking that question. It's also eliminating the companies. Think of everything you do from when you first talk to the customer to when you're getting a quote and realize that most of that process is being done at that time, all in real time. And so by the time you get done with this 10, 15, 5, 20 minute phone call, you already have the quote done. And you already know it's a bindable quote and you already know all the company questions are answered and you already know the deductibles and you already know this person's Mm -hmm. whole life and it's already zeroed in on Google Maps and looked over it from a high point and said, oh, look, here's the trees. Normally the wind blows from from, uh, west to east and those trees are on this side of the house and one of them's kind of leaning. So that looks like that's going to probably be more likely to have a loss than the one sitting right next to it. All this stuff is being brought into this in real, real time. I'm going to be bold and say that this is two years away or less. I could definitely say it's going to be five years. It's already here, by the way. I want to let people know. It's just at a very, very high level because that in, that information is very expensive. You're it's, right. It, yeah, uh, oh, it's expensive when you deal with legacy systems. It's not expensive if you build a system that is meant for that. This is where companies like Neon, and Seth will tell you, he can't wait for the Neon competitor because competition makes us better. Legacy Mm -hmm. systems think opposite of that. They think that they should buy everybody because nobody should be good as them. See, loyal listeners, do you hear that? Do you see that Mm difference between where we're going here? That's one of those things that you start saying, see, that company understands me as a category. That company sees me as an agency. They don't see me for who I am once you walk in past these walls and who we really are. The companies of the future are the ones that recognize that. The companies of the future are the ones that recognize customer experience is 2015 and employee experience and the company experience is going to be the future as well. Because I have said it for a long time, the people that are going to put you out of business are not your current customers. It's your employees. What? How's that work? Here's the way it works. You're going to have a time where you're doing things old and mundane and people that can be paid to collect data rather than be a CSR 
well, they're going to be a CSR, but they're going to collect data. They're going to come work for my agency and make three times what they do working at other agencies. So you're going to lose the good talent. And then when you lose the good talent, I'm going to get rid of the bad talent. And when there's only bad talent out there, you're going to get your agency flooded with bad talent while the good talent leaves for the type of systems we need. People would say, well, that's not going to happen. Right now we're living in COVID. There's a lot right. of people that are losing their job, that are leaving their jobs because they're forced to work at home. There's a lot of people that worked at home that are now being asked to go back in the office and they're leaving their jobs. You know why? Yep. Because they've realized that there's other insurance companies, there's other shoe stores, there's other banks, there's other whatever industry that allows me to do it the way that I want. And it actually benefits us both. Right. This is the type of things. These are the type of things. Sorry, I went off on a, on a tangent. That's okay. That's but I, okay. I really, really believe the system has to get easier. This, the process has to get easier. Someone calling in and me asking all this information when they're making a change about their VIN numbers and lien holders, and they don't know any of this. No, I mean, who wants to ask a question and make people feel uncomfortable? But what, that's what we do every day. And you know why? Because we don't have any other choice, but we do have choices coming up. So yes, that's big. Well, I have, I have two things from that. So uh -huh. the first thing, so the, the company you were talking about that you can send them a login and they can get the information. Um, not, not necessarily a question. Is this the company that was on our mastermind call? Correct. Mm -hmm. So loyal listeners, if you want to find out this type of information, shameless plug for Jason, join <laughs> the mastermind. You. Join the mastermind. And you'll know exactly this, what this, it is. Yeah, you'll know exactly what this is. Mm -hmm. um, now, one thing about this being able to transcribe and having everything put into the radar, when I was thinking about if, we were, if our agency was going to bring on a VA, one of the main things that I wanted a VA to be able to do was the quoting process for me. Mm -hmm. So does this type of system or this function of whatever, whether it's NIN or something else, does this eliminate VAs or the importance of VAs or what VAs do? Do you think that what some agencies are using VAs for could end up hurting the VAs? Yeah, With very that. good question. Hadn't really thought of that, but my brain's on that right now. Yeah, so definitely it's going to cut because here's the deal that I want to uh, change the picture. When we're get, when the information is being loaded into the Raider, I should say Raiders because okay. PL Raider, Easy Links, they'll all be gone because we're going to have direct integration into the carriers by my boys leading out there, Tarmica and others that are out there leading this initiative to say. Okay, so for remember your question because I'll forget. Yeah. This is exactly what I'm talking about. Like, how long have we had raiders, mm -hmm. and how long have they not been able to get the exact real rate that because it's oh, yeah. not integrated? So, mm -hmm. and, and you talk to all the rating companies, and they're like, "Oh, well, this and that." You talk to AMS companies, oh, talk to the carrier, and then this car, this company called Tarmica comes along and just starts hooking up the raiders integrated directly. And, and I'm sitting here pulling myself and my hair out going, what the hell? I mean, yeah. we, we, we've been asking for this for 12 years. And, and I asked Rags, I said, Rags, I said, how did you do this? He's like, dude, I don't know. He's like, I really didn't know there was a problem. I just went and called the CIO and started talking to him about what this looks like. And they're like, yeah, that would be a great value. 
And I'm thinking to myself, holy crap, you know? So once again, there you go. It's like, mm -hmm. why is that being held at back? There's a reason. Okay, what was the question that, that, you, that you said there that I thought was important? Sorry, I got off. I was just eliminating VAs. So yes, I, okay, that's, that's a good question. So, so you're going to have where that thing is integrated and you're getting mm -hmm. returning real rates. Um, I cannot say that it would not hurt VAs. If I'm, mm -hmm. if I'm standing here right now, VAs are very good for data. Okay. So, so we have frontline facing customer service reps. We have yep. backline customer service reps, um, which I would call now to be like a more of a team environment, which would be okay. um, some other companies out there that work under teams rather than you working with one direct VA. Gotcha. Um, that is more like computing power. Those would be my framers if I was building a house. My my customer service reps are my GCs. Okay, those are my those are my GCs. My yep. my VAs right now are in the middle. They're kind of my finishers. They okay. they are they are really good because they can do things that I don't want my staff to do. But at the same time, they um, don't need as much direction. Um, but then again, it can't get very detailed. Once again, um, mm -hmm. one of the things that I'm noticing about uh, um, VAs, and we're going to start noticing this as we start to use other cultures in our business, is the VAs in the Philippines are fantastic at data entry. Once you slowly start to bring them into actual insurance, actually okay. teaching them insurance, it's kind of a different thing. Uh, yeah, I'm just, it's not. I've tried to train three or four of them. Only one of them has actually got it. Um, they're mm -hmm. very, they're very timid. They're very scared that they're going to make a mistake, and that works out really well. But you put them in Excel spreadsheets and taking notes and minutes in a meeting. Oh, they're awesome as can be, right? You want them to put stuff into a raider. Oh, they're great as can be. But it's like, well, don't put it in the raider this way if this is happening because this is why. Mm. Mm. They may get that, they may not. You know, a team environment, they don't get it at all. You might as well just, you're just talking to the wind. They don't get it at all. So, so I think VA work will change where it's going to okay. come into. I don't really know. I think some VA companies today think that VAs are good at marketing, um, telemarketing. I think they suck at telemarketing. I do not think VA should be telling telemarketing. Um, I think you're, if you do cheap telemarketing, you're going to get cheap prospects. That's just the way that I think. So yes, I do think yeah. that it is going to change dramatically. Did you hear that virtual intelligence and on-hand VAs actually merge? That's right. I was talking to Michael Cruz and checking out what he has there with his Colombian workers. And I said to him, dude, what's up? You realize you're not a VA, right? He said, what do you mean? I said, you're a VE. Look it up on ChatGPT. I encourage you to do that too. He's got forward-facing VEs. VEs that can answer the phone and take questions 30 days in. You say yes to Michael. I want what you have. In 30 days, that's what he delivers. I said, Michael, this is unbelievable. We're strong in the front, but we're really strong in the back end. You provide the external VE for us. We provide the internal VE. I looked at him. I said, buddy, let's do this together. Let's, let's do this. And he looked at me and he put out his hand and like a good solid Cuban American, he said, Jason, I'm committed. Let's do it. And that's what we did. We flew to Columbia. We saw his operation and you need to see it too. Give us a little click at virtual Intel. That's with two L's. That's virtual I N T E L L dot com. Go check us out. See what we're doing. High quality VEs mixed with technology delivered right into your agency. And you don't have to do all the things that you don't like to do, like hiring, firing, recruiting, recreating, trying to find processes. Just there's so much stuff. I can't even say it right. That's right. Virtual Intel. 
podcast certified. Well, that is great. That is great information. Um, moving on to the second major challenge that you talk about in the book, new and emerging technologies. And we've, we've talked about this pretty mm -hmm. much um, already at this point, um, how back in you know 2015 that we're now working with these companies that you know weren't even around then, Visor Evolved, What's Agent a technology? What's a technology that blow, blows my mind? First of all, don't let yeah. me forget to talk about Advisory Evolved because there's a story that the loyal listeners need to know about as to why they're not in the book. And Chris would love for me to tell this. Okay. Um, because because okay. it's truth. It's truth. It's yeah. truth. It's behind the scenes action that a mm -hmm. lot of people don't know about. Yeah. Um, what two pieces, one piece of technology, two companies that surprised the actual crap out of me that no one saw coming? Slack and Teams. Huh. Five years ago, no one saw that. Now, if you were some tech guy, if you were Wesley right. Anderson, you know, building in your garage, you knew yeah. about that. But, but like if you and I didn't know about that, mm -mm. we didn't know about that. I didn't even know what Teams was until no. it took out this ad in the back of New York Times trying to get against Slack. And I'm like, and people are like, oh, that was terrible advertising. I'm like, well, I'm just trying to figure out who the hell these companies are. You know what I mean? Yeah, and so, exactly. Um, and here's what's amazing. That's why we don't know what 2025 is going to be, Josh. Yep. Because no one saw it. And to be honest with you, it's probably the most important tools that you can have. My buddy Wesley Anderson really, really brought this home to me. He says, Cass, it's your digital ecosystem. He said, and, and Billy Williams has backed this up as well at Brainshare. Okay. Billy said that he can come into your, to your, not your management system, into your Slack or your teams. He could look at the conversations that are going on in there and he can tell himself if that's about is that agency's worth more value than the average or less value than the average. And he said, if you don't have Slack or teams, he said, you're not even a value to me. Wow. Now that's powerful from a man who invests in agencies, a man who who is in control of 1.2 billion in premium, yep. 157 million in revenue, and he buys agencies and that's what he's saying. Wes is saying the same thing. Really think about that, Josh. Like if wow. you wanted to buy an agency yeah. and you go down the road and you walk mm -hmm. into an agency and say, "Let me see your slacker teams," and then you just start going through the chats, seeing how their processes were, do they have any uh, training videos? How's all thing linked up? All of a sudden, that makes it a little bit more valuable or less valuable than the other. That is interesting. So the digital ecosystem of Slack and Teams, that's something I don't think anybody in this industry, let's no. say that's all coming. And today, it's vital. Things have to be plugged into it. On the AI side, we use Asana. We use um, we use a Slack. Mm -hmm. We use Google Drive. And all this connects to where I don't ever go to any of those things. My staff does. I just am inside Slack on the AI mm -hmm. side. I, uh, for all you loyal listeners, you know I use Teams mm -hmm. on the insurance side. Yeah. Why? Just because that's what we always did. And I've thought about moving. But to be honest with you, Teams is really starting to show. We won't go there right now. I'm going to let you continue on. Sure. But Teams and Slack... I heard Travis Gensler say this the other day, and it's true. They're actually starting to split and become two different products. They really, they really truly are. Teams is becoming more of a hub of all of the suites that okay. you use. Like a lot of people didn't know all the other products that Office, uh, Office 365 offers. Right. Well, when you get Teams and then you start saying, hey, that'd be cool if they did this, did this, then you realize there's already a product out there. Yeah. And it's like, oh, okay. 
as opposed to Slack, it's kind of like, hey, we'll open with anything, but there's a lot out there. Well, what you know what the thing is, if you give me too many options, I don't make any choices. Yeah. I think that's where Teams is coming up because it just has the option for you and you don't have to think about it. That's why I hate going to the Cheesecake Factory. The menu's too freaking long. <laughs> Won't eat there. Won't eat there. <laughs> Anyways, uh, moving on to the third challenge, um, becoming the disposable middleman. So you talk about how insurance companies continue to look for ways to get more out of their agents while paying them less. Um, I would say that maybe not every insurance company is doing this, but a vast majority of insurance companies, and we won't name any names, they are reducing commissions, they are increasing premium and policy growth numbers, and they're applying unnecessary pressure to agents to take part in what I call these silly contests. I mean, why, why do I need to sell you know, policies only during a specific period of time throughout the year and not really care about them later on? That, that is a soapbox for me, which I won't get on because loyal listeners, this has uh, been going a little longer than Jason and I had originally anticipated. Um, I know, but it's, it's great. It is. We're we delivering some value. So to me, what the insurance companies need to focus on is agencies who are like our loyal listeners, who are wanting to invest. And you talked a lot about Neon and how Neon B Atomic is helping with this. Without going too, too long, do you see um, what are things that Neon and B Atomic can do to help insurance agents to be able to say, wait, wait, wait. No, there is no reason for us to be paid, you know, 8% instead of the 15 or the 10%. And we have the data to be able to back it up. How is Neon going to help with that? Okay, so this is, God, Josh, if you had anything else planned after this, you're just going to have to cancel it if you want to. And we'll have to talk about it tomorrow if you want to go. Because, dude, we can talk forever and I'm going to blow some minds on this because this is something I'm – I got so many – I tell Sarah and she sees – I got so many blogs in Google Drive that I just write all the time. Literally, if, if I died today, they'd bring back like a 100 of these things that I have. And one of them is on this. First of all, hate contests. Hate contests. Yeah. Hate contests. I say it all the time. I say to them, I say, why in the world – you, what you're doing is you're making me choose you. And that's not what we do, right? Mm -hmm. We're not here to choose now. Okay. The company that you and I mutually do. Yes. That sounds weird. (laughs) (laughs) If anything in this world, the companies do us as agents. We don't do them. Anyway, so, 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 so the company that we have mutual that has, that likes to be blue, um, Mm -hmm. I'm okay with them. And the reason why, maybe this is justification for my own good, but my reason is here, Josh, that they do everything they can throughout the year to give us steady rates, to give us mm-hmm. the best coverages, to have the best claim service. And I think their their ask is, is, hey, for this one contest period, like go above and beyond for us, right? And there's people who are like, well, I go above and beyond for you all the time. Well, they know that's bullshit, right? You're an independent agent. So I'm, I'm going to say I hate company contests because I have a couple companies that are like, hey, for every 10 items you write, we're going to give you $25 per item. And it's like, get out of here, dude. You have the same policy that everybody else has. Yeah. So anyway, sorry, 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 sorry. Yeah. Okay. So this commission problem mm-hmm. is just absolutely bit the companies in their arse. Oh my God. So first of all, I want to say about commissions. 
I've been around since 2001. I really probably didn't know a lot about commissions probably till 2006, 2007, 2008 when I was really, really churning and all of a sudden I'm looking at everything and I'm not being paid a a, 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 a draw and having it yep. take away. Like actually knew, like here's my statement. Um, I mean, I was getting paid 10, 12, 15% then. Um, to me, a lot of the companies today are are 10, 15, 12, 15%. I'm yeah. sorry. I don't see this big decrease that everybody talks about. What I think they uh, they do is they're seeing a decrease in their profit mm-hmm. because they're still operating like right. an old school agency and they can't make it off 15% anymore and they need more. So that's really the problem. So, but here is, there is some truth that the insurance companies did try to cut it here and there. I think right. if you talk to Steve, Steve would tell you that the commissions were a lot higher. So for those agencies that now th- let's think about this. See, Jason thinks about this stuff as those agencies are getting older mm-hmm. and commission rates are going down a little bit. Their efficiencies are becoming worse because they're the agencies that don't want to change. So after a while, the companies come to them and say, hey, you better produce or we're going to pull your contract or we're going to Mm -hmm. give you lower commission or whatever. So they're the ones who were in their 50s and 60s. These are veterans back in the 80s, 90s and early 2000s that all said, "But yeah, but if we get together – now we'll be able to form this aggregator and yep. then we'll be able to get our extra bumps yep. back, right? Oh, this is the greatest idea in the world. Well, the companies hate it. Mm-hmm. The companies hate it because so many reasons. Think about this. I was talking with uh, a big dog at Travelers. I was at Travelers mm-hmm. Golf Tournament. And he said to me, he said, you'll never hear me say this, Jason. You're not recording, are you? I said, no. He says, you'll never hear me say this. He says, but we cannot in the industry, we cannot stand aggregators, even though they think we love them. He was like, they're always trying to press a percent or two out of us, you know? Oh, yeah. and, 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 and here's what made me think about that. I started thinking about that after I was talking with him. If you're an, a, if you're an agent and you have $10 million with company A mm-hmm. and an aggregator has a huge master contract for company A. Mm -hmm. When company A for the agency, when the agency and the aggregator come together, company A did not improve anything. Nope. They they just combined the book into one book, but it's still all the same risk. They lose. Every time there is an aggregation that happens, they lose. The, The industry loses and the insurance companies lose. Yep. And it's a problem. And in aggregators are something that are now just not a problem for companies. They're a problem for agents. And they're a problem for this industry. And they're a problem because they've taken advantage of the fact that they can help us get more money from the people we're producing. You know, you hear Seth say it a lot, J- Josh. This is a mine. I have a gold mine called mm-hmm. the Insurance Alliance. I'm in there digging out gold. And when I come back up, I have to give it to somebody else called an insurance company who says, if I get enough good quality gold, they'll actually give me a little bit more of that, right? Yep. And then, it, and so that just sounds crazy, but that's the way the world is. Let's just agree with that. No, we let it become more crazy. <laughs> we, let, we let somebody else come in and say, well... I'll go negotiate with the company, and if the stuff is really high quality and you put it in my bucket, then I'll get them to give you an extra, but I get a couple too. And we're like, oh, yeah, that's great. 
I mean, what the hell are we doing here, folks? And 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 what happens is, is you get that 57, 64 um, man or woman agency owner that's like, I would have never got into an aggregator, and now they need to grow, and now they're trying to protect their book, and they're jumping into this. And we don't have time on this podcast because we're running out of it. Yep. But there are a ton of things that we could do to uh, create this better and or create this worse. And I'm gonna I'm gonna end with this. Okay. I'm gonna end. Because I could go on. Um, well, I can't end with this, but I have to give this this tidbit, and then I'm going to end with something else. Okay. And, it, and, it, and it's money. For anybody who's getting into an aggregator or thinking about it, please listen to what I'm going to tell you right now. There are aggregators out there, lots of them, that have buyouts mm-hmm. if you get out early. Okay. This is terrible, but it needs to be exposed. What will happen is, is I am little old $500,000 agency and there's revenue. Revenue. Yes. Revenue. And I'm just making this up. This isn't me. I'm I'm bigger than that. I'm just making this up. So I got 500,000 in revenue and a, um, an aggregator comes to me and says, Hey, if you join us, you're going to get better contingencies and blah, 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 blah. And you're like, oh, I don't know, man. I like my book. And I, I don't know if you're, I'm really going to make more. Oh, well, guess what? Look at this agency over here that's $2 million in revenue. And they just joined us last week. Why would they be joining us if you couldn't make any money? And the little guy goes, hmm, that makes sense. Yeah, it's got to be good if it's good for them. And they sign on the dotted line. There's something they didn't realize happened. What's that? The buyout was cut out of the big guy. Hmm. This is, this is not kind of this. I'm not lying to you. When I tell you minimum 10 times I've, I've had this happen. I could give you three, maybe four names right now, two in the state of Tennessee, one in the state of Georgia and one in the state of Virginia that this has happened to all different aggregators. And what happens is is it's wrong because whenever time comes for you to get out Mm -hmm. or you get big enough or you retire, you owe anywhere between like 10, 15, 20, 30% of your agency to these yep. people and you have to sell out. Hey, I get it. You were at the young, you didn't, couldn't get markets or whatever. That's the insurance industry's fault. Not, not, not the agent's fault that they can't get markets, but yet they go over to this guy over here and they get a market. What the hell yep. sense does that make? Makes no sense. And what, and where the aggregators sold it at the beginning to, to companies was, is that if you do this, we'll be your marketing arm and we'll take care of all the agents. And then, you know, the big companies thought, oh, wow, we could eliminate our reps and everything. It never came, it never came mm-hmm. out that way. They still have their reps and they're still having to pay more to the, to the, to the aggregators. So it's terrible. So what are we going to do about this? So keep in mind, you want to find out what the buyout is. And if you ever talk to a big agency, they probably can't tell you if there's a buyout or not in it because there was an NDA that was signed. So watch what you're doing. Yep. I'm telling you, they're taking advantage of you. Last last thing, then I'll end with this, Josh, and you can have it. How will we be paid differently in the future? Is what you said, Josh. Is what you said at the when you were asking this question. We'll be paid based on how good of business people we are. Business people, that's something we've always been able to escape from in this industry is the fact that we get paid, we get paid for renewals. Mm-hmm. So it's like I could be the worst businessman in the world, but I'm going to get paid next month, mm-hmm. right? I've said it a lot. Please give me another, another business that I could lock the door, 
Mm-hmm. I could leave for a year, not answer the phone one time, not even come to the office, and I could come back a year later and I'd have like 70 to 80% of my business. Yep. Please sell me another place. If you own a shoe store or a flower shop, the first day you don't sell is the first day you quit start losing money. Exactly. You know what I mean? It just doesn't make sense. So how are we going to be paid for it? We're going to be paid as good business people. You're going to be paid how good you can mine data. Because data is going to become, I've said it before, we'll get into it later so I won't steal the thunder. The value of your agent, the value of the data in your agency will be worth more than the revenue of your agency and it will not even be close. There's a very good possibility that you're going to make $500,000 of revenue and you're going to make five hundred or more thousand dollars in revenue from data that you collect. I know that's hard for people to comprehend, but it's already happening in other industries. I've said it before. Maybe I haven't before this, and I'll use this as my last example, the TVs. Mm-hmm. I've said this on, yes, we've talked have. about this in the mastermind. The TVs are the same way. The TVs are out there. Um, TVs that used to be $2,000 are now $500. Oh, technology went down. No, it didn't. They don't try to make a profit on the TV. They try to sell the TV at cost, and then they make the profit and the money off the data that you Mm -hmm. use that TV for for the next five to 10 years. And go look at the number of profit. They were making anywhere between 15 to 30% profit on a TV. They're making 100% now in profit because it's coming over the fact of 5, 10, 15 years. So they can sell that TV for 500 and over the next 15 years, they're going to make the equivalent of 10,000 on it. Yeah. So it's just like, it's like, man, this is where it's going. Facebook is that way. You've heard the old saying, if you're the, pro- if everything's free, you're the product. That's the way a lot of these things are going. So how does that work in our agency? How does that work? We have more data than any damn TV does. I mean, oh my gosh, we have unbelievable amounts of data. So much, it's probably have we have uh, uh, so much data, it's in illegal positions because it needs to be more secure than it is, right? And we just have so much of it. So so that is going to be the huge part. The, the catalyst that will keep your agency going is insurance. Mm-hmm. That's it. You're going to try to write business because you're trying to gain data and not just from that customer. When you connect through the networks we're creating, when you meet a customer and you write that customer, you instantly get the data, the intelligence from all their friends, all of their communities. And then when you do that and you can double that and double that, artificial intelligence will not replace insurance agents, but insurance agents that use artificial intelligence will replace those that do not. Josh, this has been one hell of a podcast, buddy. I know, I know. I, I, I had one question during that, and then you basically skipped ahead in my thinking. And the question was going to be, should we eliminate commissions? Should insurance companies stop paying us a commission? Like some financial planners that say, you know what? You're just going to pay me um, a consulting fee. So we can get into that at a later date, but I wonder how good would or how well would an insurance agency do if they weren't paid a commission and they had to justify, they had to justify charging someone $500 or $1,000 just to be able to place their insurance. So I think that that is something for us to, to talk about at a later date. I think... Wow. Talk about making you a better business person. Yeah. I mean, holy crap. I'm going to tell you what right now, 
there may not be a bigger separator in the insurance industry than if the company started coming out and mm -hmm. saying, in 2022, mm -hmm. we are going to stop charging commissions yep. and we are going to, if you want to continue on, it's going to be a fee-based service. Oh my gosh, it would eliminate, I mean, if it, it pro it's so radical it couldn't happen. It's one of those yeah. things that will just have to slowly happen, which it already is, because some people like me can charge fees. Right. I mean, if you think about one of my big soapbox things in the insurance industry, and I won't go too long on this, is it okay. is too easy for someone to become a licensed agent. You sit in a 40-hour class, you take two exams, and now you can sell insurance. Insurance agents always say, I want to be viewed in the same light as the CPA and an attorney. Well, the CPA sat through four or five exams, an attorney went to law school and had to sit for the bar. Not to say that insurance agents aren't as intelligent, but they did not have to do the same amount of work to be able to be that professional. Mm -hmm. So... No, that's exactly yeah. right. Exactly right. Exactly right. All right. Let's move on to the fourth. And I think if you're okay with this, I think we're just going to get through the first chapter. And then No, we're that's fine. Okay. That's fine. All right. So the fourth one is a big problem for the industry, which is losing 50% of it. You talk about how insurance agents need to work together and not against each other because we're worried about in the next five to 10 years, the people who are going to be retiring, going to be selling. And instead of having the mindset of, this is just going to be more business for me, we need to find more talent. So I look at it as people need to now find mentors. They need to find someone to work for that's going to teach them. These are the things that you need to do to be successful in your agency because that knowledge and that experience, there's gonna be a void. So real briefly, who are your mentors, if you just want to name them that you've had in the past right now, and do you have like one or two things that you could give the loyal listeners advice on how to find a mentor? Oh, I love mentorship. I love mentorship. Speak about that a lot. Um, been very, very key to my life mm -hmm. with Mike Beard. I've done a, a couple on him. Um, you know, when you had me also thinking at this professional level, um, I do think differently. Um, I will say that. Mm -hmm. uh, I do not think that we need to have more insurance agents. Um, as I become a better business pe person, I start to realize that other people just don't want to. Um, I can't understand how this industry has the poor rating it does. Everybody who works in it knows it. Mm -hmm. And then when my customers deal with me on a daily basis, I don't know how they're walking away with a poor experience. Josh, how are your clients walking away with a poor experience? They're not. I mean, I'm going to say maybe five to 10, maybe somebody's up uh, five to 10 throughout the whole year. Somebody gets mad because we did something and most times it's not even our faults, theirs. Yep. I mean, I mean, it's like, but it very rarely happens. It's like, where are all these bad statistics coming from? You know what I mean? And so it's because of dumb agents. It's because yeah. agents who want to sell on price and don't want to sell on coverage. For all you new agents out there, I was told when I was younger, people buy on coverage, not on price. I told them, you're wrong. You're absolutely wrong. I told all my veterans, you're wrong. They buy on price. No, they don't. Also, Chris Brand told me that following two years after any, any tragedy, people focus on coverage and then they go back to price. So if you're leading 
during COVID right now, the next two years, people are really going to be focused on coverage. Oh, yeah. Just a little, little tidbit from there. So I don't necessarily know if that's going to be a good thing anymore. Let's think about this. Do we need a lot of agents? No. How do we? You're right. We don't. How do we know we need more doctors when there's too many patients and not enough doctors? How do we how do we know when we need uh, more grocery stores when there's more people shopping than what we can hold, right? That's not the way with insurance. Mm-mm. Because our tools will allow them. Back in the day, there were so many phone calls coming in, I had to hire more people, mm-hmm. and that's just the way that it was to get bigger. Today, the opposite effect is happening. People were trying to get the call phones to ring less because we're trying to provide them with more options to do it themselves. Yep. And so I think you're going to be able to hold um where one agency was at its max, let's just make this up, with mm-hmm. 2,500 clients, that same agency will be able to hold 5,000 clients because technology will help them help that consumer. Yeah. So I, I very, very much believe that. And those who are staying need to find mentors that understand that yep. stuff. Mentoring has been so critical to me. Yep. Um, my association was important to me. Mentoring is is vital. You need to find a mentor. And how do I do that? What kind of agent are you? Your commercial or personal lines? That's going to tell you a lot. You need to have your mentors that are high level. Somebody who understands insurance. You know, those old people that you just drive you freaking crazy. They're the best to learn from. Best mm-hmm. to learn from. You know, a true story. When I was 28 years old, I went and joined the local Elks Club. If you go mm-hmm. into the local Elks, if you go into the local Elks, there was no one in there but gray hairs. Yep. My wife said, why are you joining that? I was 28 years old. I said, because I'm going to go in there and I'm going to sit in there every Thursday after work for about two hours, I'm just going to listen to the old guys and see what they say. I learned so much stuff. It was ridiculous. That started getting me into my brain to realize like this is vital. So we need to have a mentor that's a life coach, right? Mm -hmm. We need to have somebody out there who's a life coach. They're good. um, They're trying to help us understand our families. They're What are they trying to help us with? Our physical strength, our mental strength, and our spiritual strength. Those are the things you need to find mentors on. You need to find those at an agency level too. You need to find somebody who's really good at dealing with companies, you think. Who's really good at figuring out, I'm just going to tell you guys, I'm going to cut it to the chase. I've, I've experienced a lot of people out there that can try to help you with operations. Billy Williams is about as good as they freaking come, guys. Mm-hmm. He's about as good as they freaking come. He does not pay me to say that. He's not a sponsor of mine or nothing. Matter of fact, I pay him to be able to say that. <laughs> so I'm telling you, yep. he is freaking really, really good. So it's those type of people. But the thing is, you're probably going to listen to less than you should because a lot of the agencies, I'm just going to say it, a lot of my brothers and sisters out there, they're a bunch of idiots. And I mean, and, and some of the stuff that I do on my podcast, I say all the time, we're here to think. We're here to challenge the norms. Mm-hmm. Artificial intelligence, real agent side, real agencies giving you the real agency intelligence and not the artificial that they try to make you believe out there. I created that saying in that podcast because I want you to challenge. And where did I get think from? From my good friends at Erie. That was one thing that they always talk about is think, think, think. That's what they did. So. Anyways. Well, there, there are two more things that I want to go over, and we'll go over those um, quickly. The next part of the book, you talked about the McKinsey report that sent the industry in a tailspin. Um, yes, uh, so a few of the highlights to, to just kind of talk about, and we'll just kind of maybe answer yes or no if they came true. So in that report, they talked about how most personal and small commercial clients will want to act through multiple channels such as in-person texting, phone, 
email and video. I think we're both going to agree that came true. I just wrote a BOR on a $347,000 account that's two hours away from me, and I did it on GoToMeeting. True story. And again, loyal listener, if you wanted to hear that first, join the mastermind because we talked. <laughs> not only did he tell us about it, but he tell, told us how he did it and went to much more detail. That's right. Hey, Jason, I, I deserve a free month for that. Um, <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm 100% kidding. Um, the next thing, um, agents will only be compensated for the unique value they deliver. I think that's going to be true. That's neon. Uh, successful agents will deliver a tailored customer experience at ex and excel at multi-channel marketing. Again, true. Insurance companies will continue to use technology to interact with the client to lower their cost. To me, this also bypasses the agent. And this is one of the things that agents were upset about is the fact that the companies have this technology, yet they were not sharing it and are not sharing it with us as the agents. Mm -hmm. And then customers will no longer recognize their agent as the source of their insurance, but rather a brand name due to big advertising budgets. And I think that's just something we're going to have to deal with as agents. Mm -hmm. um, the final thing I want to talk about. Those were all pretty much right on, weren't they? They were. They were. Um, the final thing I want to talk about, and this is always something that I have thought about even when I entered the industry um, back in 2008, is how closely the the independent agent is in regards to the travel agent and what mm -hmm. happened to the travel agent. Now, in the book, you referenced two studies and it showed over a 14-year period, there was a 12x increase in the number of people who actually booked their tickets through an airline's website. At the same time, there was the six-time increase in the number of people who bought through an online travel agency. Now, there are still in-person travel agencies, but the travel agency that moved from in-person to online, these are the ones they're talking about. Okay. The offline booking, so the ones where you had to call someone or had to go into their actual you know, location and you had to see them eye to eye, there was a 47% decrease. Hmm. So, but what is interesting is that the, the way that the traditional travel agent did survive was they actually increased their sales per location three and a half times. Now, how did they do this? Reading into it and looking into it, it was that they had a focus, they had a niche, whether it was Disney, Sandals, specific cruises, or specific country. That's how they were able to survive. So even though you had a large decrease overall in the traditional travel agent, they were able to, those that survived, increase their sales by three and a half times. So the insurance agent who is willing to adapt, change, transform, they're gonna be in a good position. But those that are not willing to do that they're going to leave us behind or we're going to leave them behind and they're going to die. Mm -hmm. There's no doubt about it. I mean, it's, it's, you know, if you're a biblical person, it's written on the wall. Yep. Scream it a couple more times. The wall is going to come down. Um, the, the, um, absolutely. It's the truth. And absolutely writing that five years ago, here we are. Here's a funny thing. Mm -hmm. It took me three and a half years to take my own advice. It took me three and a half years to finally figure out what our three niches were and what our main one is for me, nonprofits. Yep. 
And then it took me a couple more months to figure out, wait a minute, the amount of clients I have or the amount of premium I has means nothing. The thing that means something is revenue per client. Mm-hmm. And then that is what's going to bring me success. I love it. This is where so many agents say all the time, I wish I had, uh, uh, you know, I'm, I've got a thousand clients and I'm on my way to 5,000 within 10 years. But then at the next sip, they tell you about how customer service drives them nuts. Yep. The more people you have, the more people you're going to have to service. So why don't we have less people, which would mean less service? Well, then you got to pay the bills. Okay. Then that means that you make that person pay more. Yep. So that means I have to go after different accounts. That's been our focus over the last year. It's starting to be your focus. Yeah. It's how we talked about the BOR. Um, you're starting to see how that's kind of popping up. It's, um, it's. Uh, I swear, Travis and I were having the conversation yesterday. Um, because we got this BOR, we can't wait until we're on Neon, because we want to run a list of all the company, all the people mm-hmm. who have called us the most this year. Oh, and yeah. then and then we, and then we want to look at the list from last year. And like now that we just wrote 47,000 in new business premium on an account, we're going to try and go ax about 25 people. And so we're trying to find who those people are. And our management systems don't give us that information. No. But, Seth, but Seth is saying in a year, Jason, you'll know exactly how many people called, what they called for, and how long the whole trans- transaction took. When we're talking about how you're going to be paid in the future, that's the way companies are going to pay me 15% and pay other people 10% because I can create a better efficiency for them. And that's where it becomes everything in this world is becoming individualized. Yes. Everything is becoming, even our rates, the rate that you pay as a driver is different than the, than your next oh, yeah. door neighbor. It used to be everybody in the town paid the same, yep. right? And now it's getting, and then now it's getting right to the individual driver and the individual streets they drive on, you yep. know, and the individual cars and how the person drives around you. So everything's getting individualized and you can see how that's coming here. That means your marketing game needs to become more individualized as well. Yes. Mm-hmm. I love it. I love it, bro. Wow, dude, there is no way. And and I think right now we're going to laugh because I really believe this is going to be like a 10-part cap podcast. Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean, it really truly it was. It, originally, it was going to be three, and then we increased it to five. And yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean. I think this is good stuff, though. We oh, talked yeah. about a lot of stuff that I've never talked about. And I really think that not only that, kudos to you, Josh. You're a very good, uh, you're a very good podcast host well, you really you. truly are thank you well and if people know you they know how quiet you are but you put on this uh headphones you're very confident <laughs> in yourself so that's I awesome i try that's awesome. well i want to thank you jason for providing thank me you. this platform for explaining your book to you and getting your feedback i'm excited about our upcoming episodes and to you the loyal listener thank you for being here today remember to be safe be healthy and love everyone this has been josh lipstone with explain this book to me